Well, hello and welcome to Movies on the Side. This is Stephen Robles. And this is Nate Baranowski. And we have a spoiler-free review of the 2020 Harrison Ford movie, The Call of the Wild. So if you listen to the first half of this episode, even if you haven't seen the movie, we rate it, we tell you what we liked about it, or what we didn't like about it, and whether or not we think you should see it. And after that, we sound the spoiler alarm. And then we talk about the rest of the movie and all the details and all the funny stuff that you can hear us talk about all the CG dogs in the movie. And we're going to talk about if Harrison Ford still has it as an old guy with a cool beard. And we're going to talk about the wonderful wardrobe that we would wear in Alaska if we lived there. And I'm going to ask Stephen this very important question. Do you hear the call of the wild? I was about to howl like a wolf, but I didn't feel like it was appropriate. All that and more coming up next on Movies on the Side. Call of the Wild, the 2020 Harrison Ford starring movie. Nate, I don't know if you know, but there's been 10, at least 10 that I could count. People that watch this movie. Oh. (laughs) No, 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 no. So I did a little bit of research. First of all, let me give you the Rotten Tomatoes. Call of the Wild, 2020. The year is very important with this movie, which we'll get to in a second. I'm going to say critics give this one 46. Not bad. 62. Oh, okay. 62 on the critic score. What do you think that audience satisfaction Oh, is? audiences. I mean, 82. Ooh, cl- another close one. 89. Audience satisfaction is 89. I have my finger on the pulse of this movie, I think. A little bit of research that I did. This is a book, The Call of the Wild, which seems to have come out in 1903. You're speaking about it as if you're reading a hoax. It definitely came out in 1903. It, did. it was written <laughs> okay, by Jack yeah, London. These are all facts. These are facts. These are hold, card hold. Wait a minute. Cold hard facts. That's it. And I think there have been 10 movies titled The Call of the Wild based on this book from 1903. There's actually been big names in all of these The Calls of the Wilds as movies. Charlton Heston in 1972, mm. Richard Dreyfus in 97. There was one with, there was a Call of the Wild 3D, which I'm going to choose to scroll by right now. Of course. Clark Gable was in one from 1935. Like, this wow. is not the first time this movie has <laughs> happened. I actually think my son read this book. I think Jordan's read The Call of the Wild. And I feel like we've seen some older version of this movie. I have read this book. Oh, yeah. I'm just giving you my my background. I definitely read this book. It was one of those first... You remember that first fiction book that really grabbed your attention as a kid and you go, mm-hmm. oh, turns out reading's not all that bad. Right. That's what The Call of the Wild was for me. Can I, I'm going to go on a five-second tangent. One of the first crazy books that I remember from my earliest moments of childhood, it was this book about a boy who was able to kiss his elbow and then he turned into a girl. Do you have any recollection of a book like this? It sounds like you're describing a dream, and I am just as interested <laughs> in this book as I am in like a random dream you bring up to me. I will find the book and put it in show notes, but it was an actual book that I read from an actual school library. Anyway, wow, just saying. So we're going to do something a little different this week. We're going to do a spoiler-free review. So if you have not seen this movie yet, maybe this will help you decide if you actually want to see it. So this is going to be a spoiler-free, and then we'll talk about the rest of the movie with spoilers. And so if you've seen it already, you can listen to the whole episode now. And if not, listen to the first half, second half later, after you've seen it. Fun for the whole family. That's Movies on the Side, trademark. So I will just say, spoiler-free, aside from some of the 
quality continuity and plot issues the movie might have. As a family experience, I thought it was nice. It was fine. Nate, why don't you tell me what you thought? Here's what I think. It is a PG movie with a main character that is a dog who is a CG character. Yeah. I went into this movie without my heart, not planning for my heart to to be involved (laughs) in the watching of this movie. I went in with low expectations. There has been almost no buzz about this movie. Part COVID, part just like not a whole lot of advertising went into it, at least in front of my eyes. Maybe it wasn't targeted to me. Steven, for the first 15 minutes of this movie, I had quite a few eye rolls and quite a few like, "Ah, I don't know how this is going to work. Thinking that I was going to tear this one apart. Right. This, the call of the wild eventually got my heart. Mm. And I cared about this CG dog. I cared about Buck. I cared about Harrison Ford. Mm. And by the end of it, I was left feeling satisfied that this is a family friendly fun little romp across alaska wow i was not expecting that nate i wasn't either (laughs) that's nice to hear you know i really did feel and we're going to talk about some specifics after the spoiler warning about the cg stuff because i will say when we started watching it jordan my oldest son he was like is that dog real no son that's not a real son (laughs) (laughs) that's not a real dog but i will say there are moments that are kind of impressive for the amount of cg that this movie has absolutely this movie was directed by chris sanders chris sanders typically works in the animated movie realm he wrote and i think directed lilo and stitch he he wrote mulan he was uh he did how to train your dragon but as a director as a I'm just involved in the production. He's done mostly, I think, almost exclusively animated movies. There is a type of joy I think a movie like the live-action Lion King could have had in its movie to make it so much better. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that if Chris Sanders, he brought the kind of whimsical, childlike glee to this movie that I think that is missing in some of these recent live-action bring the animals to life mm-hmm. sort of thing. And I, so I tip my hat to Chris Sanders for jumping into this. One of the best choices that he made, and this is not a spoiler, but the dogs don't talk right. to each other or the humans. And I was really afraid in a couple moments early on in this movie, I was like, please don't let the dog talk <laughs> to another dog. <laughs> Just don't. And they didn't, and it was great. I had that thought, too, because I had the thought while I was watching it, like, they are so expressive. Right. I have almost been trained in my mind, like, they're about to speak to each other. Right. And when they don't, it's you're right. It's actually kind of delightful. Like, oh, I get it. You're using this expressive animation right. to give all of the emotions that words would give. And to the movie's credit, they are able to communicate so much without the dogs talking yes and it it then makes me wonder maybe there should be less talking in some of the other live action (laughs) cg movies like doolittle that was actually a quote from uh my wife when watching this movie she said man i wish doolittle had been more like this movie Mm. because i think if doolittle had had gotten the uh the chris sanders treatment or at least like this setup i think it would have been uh, a lot better so i will say while it's rated pg 
There are a couple semi-intense moments where someone's either in danger. A threat of violence, a bit of violence here and there, where it's like, I guess we're giving at this point in time, because it's a PG movie, I don't feel bad giving like a parents a heads up that I think there is definitely like it uses its PG for peril and violence. Yeah, exactly. So depending on what your kids can handle, like that's definitely involved. Right. But I don't think, I mean, I'll, my kids watched it and it wasn't an issue. I mean, it, I don't think it was any more peril than like Huckleberry Finn or like one of those kinds of stories, you know. You know that well-known movie, Huckleberry <laughs> Finn. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I don't know why. Well, what, wasn't there a movie made out of that? Name another movie with peril. I'm ready. Well, another kid's movie? I mean, mm-hmm. Homeward Bound. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Homeward Bound. Brave Little Toaster. Although Brave Little Toaster is probably scary. Oh, Brave Little Toaster is, is messed up in many a ways. <laughs> This movie is definitely 25 years later in the style of Homeward Bound when it comes to peril and overall whimsy. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. Well, now here's what I think we should do. Let's rate it. Yes. And then we can talk about some specifics afterwards. I'm ready. And so this comes into play uh, later in the movie. It's no spoilers. But I would like to rate it on a scale of zero to five Timberwolves. Mm Mm-hmm. Because how many Timberwolves is one buck equal? That's what I want to know. Mm. One buck equals how many Timberwolves? And Buck is the main dog character in the movie. A real Beethoven of a character for those 90s kids. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say, I think it's my turn to go first. Yep, you're up. I'm going to give The Call of the Wild 2020. I'm going to give it four out of five Timberwolves. Four out of five because it was great for the whole family. I enjoyed it. It was emotionally swept me up for reasons we'll get into after the spoiler horn. You know, it's not perfect, but it's, it's strong. You know, my wife and I have been trying to find movies to watch recently. We've scrolled through every streaming service and it seems like there's not a lot of good stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I was actually reluctant to start this. We actually hadn't even planned to do it for the podcast. I was just looking for someone to watch with the family and I was very pleasantly surprised. And so I would say if you haven't seen it, it's a, it's a good watch. You should go for it. Man, I was going to give it four out of five Timberwolves too. If that's what you were gonna do, go yeah, I'm gonna it. stay. I'm gonna stay with it because I'm somewhere between three and a half and four. I don't know what a half Timberwolf looks like. I don't want to imagine <laughs> it. A puppy, maybe. Yeah, a puppy wolf. I was pleasantly delighted by the call of the wild. It knows what it is. It knows exactly who its audience is. I could picture while watching it the people in my life who would be the most delighted by it mm-hmm. which is good it's good when you watch a movie and go oh man so and so would love this mm-hmm. if you are someone who is critical of cg there's some good stuff there's also some stuff that may take <laughs> you out of it yeah but for the most part it's fun it, like it's yeah. a pretty fun movie it is it's got some action the emotional component again you have those moments of peril it's got some lessons in there that you even learn from Buck. Yeah, strong movie. We're going we're gonna to sound the spoiler thing. Everything after this sound now will spoil the movie. So if you haven't seen it yet, pause us here. If you want to go watch it, go watch it. Come back. We're going to talk more about the movie. We're back. <laughs> we touched on the CG in the first half. And I'd like to just continue on. Mm-hmm. There's very impressive moments. Mm-hmm. And then there's other moments where I'm like, no dog can make a face like that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's some looks of surprise 
and just weird facial expressions from the dogs. And those few moments, I was like, don't do that. I'm completely with you. I think it hurts more at the beginning when the setting is the judge's house. Oh, yeah. And like moving through the house, moving through a real space, especially at the beginning, I got some, I would say, not great Scooby-Doo vibes. Mm-hmm. where it was just like oh this feels overdone there was something about buck was transported to skagway alaska and beyond yeah the world became in general more cg and more whimsical and more for lack of a better term fairy tale yeah i think he fit in more or i just became accustomed to these expressions these are the kind of expressions i needed out of live action lion king yeah because <laughs> they were over the top yeah in some ways cartoonish I don't know. It worked really well. I mean, and there were times where Buck is with his lady friend, Timberwolf. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Where she is animated perfectly. Yeah. But almost so perfectly that I go, okay, so you know how to make realistic dogs. Right. What you're trying to do is, is make expressions that make this character the main character. There's definitely a high level of anthropomorphism of Buck specifically oh yeah i think it worked most of the time so there's this one fight scene between buck and the alpha dog from the spitz he's from spitz from the pull the sled pulling crew i think spitz gets a look on his face once buck actually stands up and is about to beat him and spitz is one of the dogs where he really looked like a dog the whole time yeah he's mostly snarling And then he gets this look of like surprise and like fear. Scar falling into the or like, yeah. like Mufasa falling into the yeah. Antelope Canyon, right? And it's like, oh, that looks weird, and I d- it pulls me out for a moment. So okay, we get pulled out of it. I feel like kids would not get pulled out of it. Uh, no, they don't. Jill, no. I watched it with Jill, and she said to me, "This is perfect." She said, "This is how I assumed all animals were like when I was a kid." This is how I pictured all animals. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was almost like we were seeing Buck through the eyes of a child. Yeah, and I think that, and I think it's good. I mean, my kids really enjoyed it. And, I mean, as did I. But yeah, they don't get pulled out by that kind of stuff. I loved the dog sledding team. There was a lesson in like leadership styles. Mm-hmm. And you know, kids are probably not going to read into it, but for me personally, you love leadership books. I was, I just felt great about how they portrayed good leadership again i don't know if this would actually work in a pack of dogs because you know there actually is like the whole alpha male thing and the stronger one is always going to dominate but but the way they had spitz basically belittling the other dogs or not caring about them or really leading by force right and then buck comes along and leads by giving them like knocking a hole in the ice so the other dogs can drink water, giving his fish to another dog that Spitz just stole, and that leadership style of like, hey, let's do this together. Right. And then they go faster than they ever have before once Buck is leading the team. I enjoyed that whole sequence. I felt, that made me feel great. Yes, very, very good. Also, a did you know, all of that, those pack of dogs were all modeled after the seven dwarves of snow white really so they all had personalities that corresponded 
<laughs> sleepy, grumpy, bashful. There was that one that looks real mangy too. I guess that's, <laughs> I don't know which one that is. It was a great crew, which by the way, I thought they were going to have those. I was so afraid that whole sled and the dogs were just going to fall through the ice and that would be the end of them. Oh yeah. Not in this PG movie. Bad Dan Stevens says to Harrison Ford at some point in time, the dogs ran away. And I was like, thank you. Yeah. I'm glad to know that those dogs didn't fall through the ice. I just want to mention uh, the Peralt character. We have a new route, so everyone pay attention. <laughs> you too, Dave. I, l- I really liked his character. He's the one that uh, becomes the Buck's owner, you know, once he travels up to Skagway and gets sold off. And just him and the whole mail delivery. I loved all those scenes, and I really liked him as a character. I was I forgot about Harrison Ford during these scenes, and I was like, I could watch this guy and his story for the rest of the movie. This whole team, yeah, they're again like when the peril comes in this movie. For example, when I think her name's Francois. By the way, that uh, actress is a very famous Canadian actress. This movie was filmed ah, in Canada, I think, for part of it. Nice. When she goes out on the ice testing the ice. Oh my word! I was so scared that one of them was gonna die. Yeah. Like, I really did like, no, no, not this team. Right. Not my my two new favorite people. I loved them. I know, I did. I, I really loved them. I believed them in every scene. In that ice-breaking scene, again, one of those scenes of peril, which, you know, it's intense when she's caught under the ice. It's a nightmare. <laughs> it is very troubling. Buck breaks into the ice to save her, and then Buck falls in. I don't know if I believe that Buck could then break back out yeah from underneath like he just kind of shows up next to her and we're made to believe that he got out but you do know how he got out he found the thin patch of ice because the spirit dog led him there oh we're gonna talk about the spirit dog (laughs) i mean it's 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 looking at us in the face with its orange beady eyes the spirit dog the, the, the black dog i called it ghost wolf when i watched it Ghost Wolf is pretty good. I called it Spirit Dog because both Jordan and Asher were like, what is that? Is that a real dog? And I was like, ah, let's call it a Spirit Dog because I don't know what else it's supposed to be. Right, 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 right. It was a little strange. I don't know if it was necessary or not. I don't know if it's even in the book, but it was a little weird to me. It's meant to represent the wild, the call of the wild. It's meant to like represent his instinct, his wolf instinct that is like guiding him. I could have used it, the ghost wolf to be a little bit more just like a howl in the breeze. Like his eyes get pulled to something and he just sees like the back of a paw as it runs around a tree. I think seeing the full ghost dog so much took away some of its mystery. I like the, I like the fact that it's calling him, but it, yeah. it sort of was a bit strange because it's this giant black wolf with orange eyes and you're like am i supposed to be scared by you right i thought it was an evil character but then you realize that he keeps helping buck somehow yep in some of the action scenes which i thought the action was pretty cool like there's the one avalanche scene again believability gets a little strained about (laughs) when they when they go into the avalanche and go into that hole my first thought was oh you're going in there and you're going to hide out you're going to be safe from it. Not that you had to keep racing the avalanche while you're in that tunnel. Right. But I guess it makes sense that the avalanche uh, would bury you in there. You'd just be trapped alive anyway. So I guess. Yeah, you got to get out too. You got to get out. You got to beat it. There are moments like that, that strains credulity. Enter Harrison Ford. Now you, you added on our shared note that we now have for the movies we do. Old Harrison Ford. That's your whole bullet point. 
He is also the narrator of this movie. You love doing that voice. And he talks about Buck from the beginning. Buck had no idea where he was, where he had been, where he was going. I loved him. (laughs) I don't care. I think Harrison Ford is delightful in this movie. Mm. I really do. They brought in Terry Notary to be the motion capture for Buck. So picture a guy in gray mocap suit with little arm extenders on trotting around. Wow, I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah. Just acting, doing all those facial expressions. I think that really helped out Harrison Ford. From where I've seen Harrison Ford react to CG things before to this, yeah, I think it was night and day. And I think he really... Now, the places where his hands had to touch the fur of Buck, <laughs> yeah. it had its own CG issues from time to time. <laughs> He's like trying to hug it. Right. But his acting alongside someone who wasn't there, yeah. I thought was really good. It was really good. I mean, I'm looking at this picture from IMDb of Harrison Ford and Buck just kind of staring mm-hmm. into the mountains of Alaska. Like, this should be the kind of character Harrison Ford plays now. That beard. The beard. Steven, is- that beard. <laughs> the beard is great. And, like, his voice that can seem a little affected at times in other places is perfect. I thought his use of that his alcoholism in this movie was also for a PG movie subtle enough to not be like in your face for the you know you don't have to necessarily explain to your kids all about alcohol but at the same time it's very much serious also dealing with like the loss of his son it's the it's the perfect amount uh, of like oh us adults we understand exactly what's going on right i think i got his whole backstory throughout the movie like i think i know why he divorced his wife, I understand he lost his son. I think they they did right in not bringing in his ex-wife or try to bring more characters into the story. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the backstory felt a little convoluted and, and not kind of hard to grasp at times. But I also felt for him. Like, I felt for his character. I understood where he was at, why he would feel at home out right. in the middle of nowhere. I believe that's a backstory that's not involved in the book. In the Jack London book. Oh, okay. I don't think John Thornton has that backstory. Gotcha. But I love how it parallels Buck's story. I also thought this movie had great moments of comedy. Like, there's some great lighthearted moments. The time when Spitz has wandered off into the darkness and, and Buck is, like, at the head of the pack. Omar Sy, his character, is like, Buck, you have to get in your place. You're not even, like, you haven't done this. Like, that's a funny scene. Yes. What got you to this dog this morning? No. I think they know something you don't know. There's nothing I don't know. Later, there's a scene where Harrison Ford is like looking for gold in the river, and Buck like holds up a huge chunk of gold. That's a good one. Absolutely. Yeah, that was that was pretty funny too. So yeah, yeah, good, lighthearted, fun moments and serious moments. Okay, let's move from Harrison Ford to the costuming of Harrison Ford and everyone in this movie, because <laughs> I finished this movie. I typically go to IMDb right afterwards because I'm just curious. I want to read the trivia. I want to hear about the production. I went to IMDb to look up who is the costume designer for this movie Uh because I loved the costuming in this. Yeah. It is Kate Hawley was the costume designer. She did Mortal Engines. We've talked about it before. Yeah, we actually did it. Yeah. Edge of Tomorrow costume Uh design. Pacific Rim. Oh wow! And she is it comes from the the Peter Jackson 
coaching tree. So she was involved in like the Hobbit as mm-hmm. like working with him. That's how like the, the tie into mortal engines and things. I thought that the clothing in this movie, especially once you get to Alaska, I thought it all looked great. It added kind of a storybook feel to it. The fact that the bad guy was in this, this red plaid uh, and Karen Gillum, who uh, is a big actress, but is in this movie for 20 seconds is in like this really uh fancy dress sitting on top of the dog sled and Harrison Ford with his Henley and, <laughs> and uh, his hat and his suspenders. I was like, please someday. Can this be what I dress like? Please. <laughs> It is. Give me your costume design thoughts, Stephen. I know you're uh, on the cutting edge of fashion. I loved everything Harrison Ford was wearing. I thought everything looked great. And even when they first arrive in Skagway and there's all the hustle and bustle at the dock, all that felt great. Felt like I was there. Right. Fr- Francois, who is Perot's wife, she had like these tiny sunglasses on that looked yeah. so cool. See, but here's the problem. In order to have that look, Nate, you have to live it. somewhere cold. We'll get to that later on in this podcast. <laughs> I wrote this down in my notes when I'm asking yeah, you later. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I saw that. Okay. All right. So let's talk about the bad guy. What do you know about Dan Stevens? I feel... Okay. So I knew I recognized him, mm-hmm. but I did not look at what I knew him from until right now. Did you ever get into Downton Abbey? Yes. We watched the whole series and I now, now I know. Matthew Crawley. I am glad that I watched Downton Abbey before watching this movie. Because I probably wouldn't have liked him. Maybe that's why my mind didn't even make the connection. I didn't. I didn't even want to believe. Right. He was uh, the bad guy in this movie. He was also the Beast in Beauty and the Beast. Really? Oh man. Okay, I didn't know that. I. Uh, but I feel like as a bad guy, I don't know if he was super strong as a bad guy in this movie. I don't think they needed him in this movie. I feel like I was having a grand old time, and I felt like there was enough with the wilderness right dangers that i was i was enjoying it i loved the adventure of it don't think that he should have been shoehorned into the movie later on i liked him as part of the leading the crew i liked him coming into the bar and confronting harrison ford the fact that he went into harrison ford's old house found a map that for whatever reason harrison ford left (laughs) <laughs> on the floor what? instead of taking with him on the adventure <laughs> that he drew yeah. out and then he somehow used the line that went off the map onto the floor right he compared it to his own map was like oh i know exactly where that is that was a little two floorboards over <laughs> that strained credulity let me tell you <laughs> yes it did like none of those maps made any sense that any reason yeah i wish the bar scene would have been this character's exit you know, I think yes. I think Dan Stevens did fine, but I don't think you needed him. I don't even know. And here's the biggest spoiler of all. I don't even know if we needed Harrison Ford to die. I thought that he was going to die via bear. Oh, look. That was my guess while watching it. I thought, oh, that bear's been around enough that that bear's going to be part of some <laughs> sort of conflict later. This could be a, a revenant uh, situation. Yeah, exactly. I really wish he would have gone via bear mauling versus shot by thin matthew crawley (laughs) like and shot in the hip or something like the question of where he was shot was now he wears his pants high but it felt like a a, (laughs) it was felt like an oblique but low like a spleen a liver shot a bladder shot a spleen shot there was not a lot of blood for having been shot 
a fatal wound. It's that PG. Well, I know, but that's the thing. Like being PG, don't even have a shooting scene. First of all, the the struggle between Harrison Ford and Matthew Crawley. Now that's how I'm going to refer to him. The the struggle was not super engaging. And I feel like Harrison Ford had to, like, stop trying at a certain moment for the gun to go to Matthew Crawley so Harrison Ford could get shot. Right. Like, it didn't, like, I feel like if Harrison Ford was really in that fight, he would have won. He would not have let him shoot him. Right, right. He had wilderness strength. He had wilderness strength. I mean, he's been shuffling for gold. He's been carrying these fish around. The emotion is that you can see the point coming that Harrison Ford is going to leave and Buck is going to stay. And that's the emotion you have to deal with at the end of this movie right i think it would have been the same if not better if harrison ford would have just walked off into the sunset and buck watched him go i would have also liked a scene where harrison ford pops up at his old house with like combed hair <laughs> and that's all you get was him walking up the the sidewalk here's what i wanted to see is him drop a handful of gold chunks <laughs> <laughs> in some pawn shop and get a cash payout. That's what I want to see. for life, please. Let me tell you, I had a real issue when he was throwing some of the gold chunks back into the river. Did that hurt your, your greedy heart, Steven? What? Wait a minute, not greedy, but it's like, who, why, are you throwing, why are you throwing that back? He didn't want to be tempted by it. I don't need that much money. Yeah, he didn't want it because he was talking about like, I should maybe I buy it on a railroad or something. How much is that gold worth? I don't know, apparently a lot. I guess. So, your last question here, what what do you mean by this? Okay, I wrote down in our notes, listeners, does Stephen hear the call of the wild? And this is what I mean by it, Stephen. After watching this movie and seeing beautiful, part real, part CG Alaska, does it make you want being a cabin out by a river in cold Alaska burning a little bit of wood by the fire, cutting your wood and like grabbing a salmon out of the river. You know, maybe it's the quarantine talking. (laughs) I mean, step one, I have wanted to go to Alaska for a while. Mm. And so I already have that desire. You know, the desire for that solitude in the mountains, you know, that that's already there. I'm good with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A few months ago, maybe I would have said yes, but also within a 15 to 20 minute drive of a Starbucks, you know, there's got to be at least civilization right. that's reachable that doesn't take, you know, like a seaplane <laughs> over the mountains to get back to town. But now, you know, not having been able to go anywhere for a long time, yeah, that is a, especially for a later life environment, very desirable. I think I would really like that. You know, and I've stayed in a cabin up on a mountain for a couple of weeks with no internet. Mm-hmm. And after the first few days, it's actually really enjoyable and peaceful. And uh, after yeah. the technology sweats subside, well, you got to go through that withdrawal, and then <laughs> it's great. But yeah, I mean, I would 100% do that someplace where it's cold, like Alaska, so you can wear those cool hats and jackets and stuff. Love it. What about you? I mean, if I can wear a warm Henley with some suspenders and a hat, giant <laughs> coat, and like boots and everything. I'm definitely down for it. There is something in the, it's that little house in the prairie, mm. 1800s, romanticized living. Right. Where it re- does really seem cool because he's writing in his pages and like right. characters always writing or reading by the fire. I mean, they never talk about going to the bathroom out in the, or the river at 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah, there's no indoor plumbing. 
Right. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely watching stuff like this. I think, oh, that would be really cool just to get away for a little bit. Well, listeners, both our faithful listeners and our new listeners, we did a new format starting today, and we wanted to make it so even if you haven't seen the movies that we talk about, that you can listen to our review and decide whether you want to see it or not. And then you can hear us talk about all the spoilers and all the funny things in the second half of the episode. We're excited about this format. We think it'll help all the new listeners come in too. And do not forget that we still have our Patreon bonus episodes every week. And those are pure gold. They are not going away. We're just talking about them here at the end. That's right. Thank you, Patreon supporters. Today, we talked about Taco Bell, (laughs) which is a topic in and of itself. Steven ranted on for a while about his new podcast listening app, Pocket Cast. I guess First it's, of not, all, it's not new to you. It it's is new not to new me. at all. Yeah, it's new to you. Also, I texted you the title of that book that I mentioned, Is He a Girl? That was the book I read in elementary school. So you can enjoy that. Wow. And you know what? I'm going to do, do a teaser, Nate. Okay. About the next Patreon episode. I found a YouTube channel. Well, first of all, have you heard about these murder hornets? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Have you seen like pictures and videos of them? Oh, yeah. They're terrifying. Let's just say that. I found this YouTube channel called Brave Wilderness. Have you ever heard about this? No. This guy, he calls himself Coyote. Sure he does. (laughs) It's a good YouTube channel. But this man has gone on a quest to be stung by the most painful stinging insects in the world. And he has a video where he was stung by one of these murder hornets these giant Asian hornets. And so I would love for you, Nate, I'm going to send you this link and I'd love for you to watch this video of him subjecting himself to being stung by one of these. And uh, let me know what you think next time in our Patreon. In some ways, I feel like this giving a tacit endorsement to stupidity. I should probably not give him the YouTube views, but I'm a hypocrite. (laughs) Well, let me just tell you this video one more view is not going to hurt or help because it already has 23 million views. Uh. He actually has 51 million views by his video of him being stung by a tarantula gross, hawk. Gross, gross. I, can, I, cannot give, I cannot give this guy any free press. Okay. I, am, I stand against everything that Coyote is. But actually, uh, listen, just watch the episode I sent you. He's actually pretty, I don't know, seems like a pretty nice guy. Seems pretty level-headed. <laughs> You know, he's got a little bit of that Steve Irwin vibe, like he really loves nature. All right, next Patreon. Next Patreon. Next, we'll next Patreon, it. we're going to talk about it. So, uh, listeners, you can find that <laughs> somewhere. I'll put the link in show notes to the video I sent Nate, and so you can enjoy that. See, now it's not one more view. Now it's No, no, listen, it's interesting. People need to know, Nate. People need to know. Cut all this out. Cut all this out. No, no, it's good stuff. Anyway, Patreon. Patreon.com slash movies on the side. Check it out. I just want to mention uh, the Peralt character played by Omar Sy. You mean Perot? Oh, you really Americanized his French name, didn't you? Mm. I feel <laughs> terrible. I feel terrible. I don't know if I'm going to cut that out or not. There are moments like that that strains credulity. That's not the word either. I don't know what word you're going for, to be honest. What is it, strain, <laughs> Stephen? Strains credulity, right? Uh, across from Emma. Across from Emma Watson. (laughs) 
I might have to do an outtakes of our pronunciations as the Maybe outro. Peru, please. <laughs>